Good morning. You may be in that family, or you certainly know the family that never talks about things. So you sit down at the dinner table, and mum and dad have had a big fight, and they're frustrated with the kids because they got bad grades, and the kids are frustrated with each other, and they all sit down and they just talk about the weather, and they don't actually talk about what everyone is thinking about. And so in the attempt of not wanting to be that family, not wanting McLean Presbyterian to be that family, I do want to say that I was greatly humbled and excited by the committee's nomination and look forward to getting clarity one way or another from the Lord through you, his church, next week. The role of the church has always played a very integral, uh, uh, integral role in my sense of, of calling, and so I look forward to working through the next week together. I'm also humbled and excited, though, to be able to turn to the Lord's Word just now with you all to work through a section of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 41, reading verses 1 through 10 as we begin our Advent reflections. You'll find this on page 601 of your Pew Bible. As you turn there, let me just say a word or two about the candles that we light at Advent. The candles each have a theme and they really tell the story of uh, the Advent season. We begin with the prophet's candle that was lit this morning, uh, a candle that reminds us that uh, the prophets came and told us not to fear. There was hope because a saviour is coming. Next week we'll light the Bethlehem candle that speaks to us uh, from Micah 5 about how uh, Jesus the Messiah was born in a nondescript town here uh, to bring us uh, joy. The week after that we'll light the shepherd's candle reminding us that the uh, message was announced to the shepherds with great joy that we have hope in uh, Jesus' arrival. Uh, Lastly we'll write, well second from last we'll light the angel's candle, the angels who came and announced uh, the good news Uh, that Christ is here and that there would be peace on earth. And then finally on Christmas Eve, we will light the Christ candle, that central candle that reminds us that Christ is the light of the world. Uh, Think of the candles not as some mystical or ritualistic thing, but they are rather just uh, an illustration. They are a visual aid, if you like, to walk us through the story of Advent. And our Advent sermons will take uh, their key themes from uh, the week that we are lighting. So this week we have the prophet's candle, we turn to the prophet Isaiah to bring out this key theme of Advent that we are not to be afraid. Let me read then from Isaiah chapter 41 verses 1 through 10. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. Who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. Pursues them and passes on safely by paths his feet have not trod. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last. I am he. The coastlands have seen and are afraid. The ends of the earth tremble. They have drawn near and come. Everyone helps his brother and says to his brother, Be strong. The craftsman strengthens the goldsmith, and he who smooths with the hammer, him who strikes the anvil, saying of the soldering, It is good. And they strengthen it with nails so that it cannot be moved. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, You are my servant, I have 
chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is the word of the Lord. As we prepare our hearts to hear from him, let's stand together and sing our song of preparation, 10,000 Reasons.
Please be seated. Great Heavenly Father, as we come to your word during this Advent season, as we remind ourselves that Jesus is here, we ask that you would come again through the power of your Spirit and speak to us that word that you spoke so long ago, bidding us to fear not, bidding us to be not dismayed, for you are with us. Jesus is with us. He is our Emmanuel. And so in his name we pray, asking that you would come and be our teacher this morning. Amen. So fear, what is, what is your greatest fear? Fears come in all shapes and all different sizes. Some of them are small, and by small I mean that you just don't really have to deal with them on a day-to-day basis. I've told you the story before, I think, that one of my great fears is of jellyfish. It comes from when I was a small boy and I was riding my bike along the beach and I cycled through a jellyfish and it kind of splatted up on my legs and I just had that feeling and it was just so kind of visceral and gross and it stayed with me and when I see jellyfish in the water I kind of have this sort of feeling and they're just a weird creature I guarantee you there were not jellyfish in Eden okay Um, weird floating around translucent things they're they're just uh, most assuredly a result of the fall okay and it's a small fear because on a day-to-day basis I don't run into that many jellyfish. I don't know what yours may be. It may be of snakes or spiders or something like that. Uh, some fears, though, are a bit more significant than that and do, to a small degree, affect our lives. Some people, for example, who have a great fear of, of blood and have a really hard time when they get their blood drawn at the doctor. Even me bringing up this example will make them feel a little uh, queasy. For other people, it's uh, a fear of flying, perhaps, that makes it difficult for you when you need to take a trip. For others, it's public speaking. Public speaking is one of the most common fears. Other fears are, are large and actually start to impact our life greatly, if somewhat subtly. They become the lens through which we view our lives. So, for example, a fear of intimacy or a fear of rejection or a fear of failure can tint every aspect of our lives. Then, of course, there are ultimate fears. Those Fears that are your worst case scenarios. We think of losing a loved one or losing your mind or losing your life, perhaps. All of us have fears and they come in all different shapes and sizes. And whatever the size, we deal with fear, any number of fears, on a daily basis. It might be Monday morning with the fear and worry you have over that big meeting with a colleague who you know opposes you. It might be a Tuesday evening with the dinner that you have to have with that a difficult family member. It might be Wednesday and that interview that you have. It might be Thursday and the fear and worry you have over a medical procedure. It might be Friday and the fear and worry you fear as you seek out to invite someone to one of our Advent services. It might be Saturday, fear and worry about the kids and the bad decisions they're making. It might be Sunday with fear and worry over your finances and how you're going to make it through this season of the year. If that's your week, it's a bad week. I hope no one has has that bad a week. But all of us deal with different fears on a daily basis. And a central theme of Advent, a central theme of Advent is do not fear. 
Fear not, be not dismayed, for I am with you. A central theme of Advent is that God, the God of heaven and earth, is for you, and he is so for you that he sent his son to get you and bring you home. This is what Advent is all about. Jesus has come from heaven itself to walk upon this earth, to live and to die and to rise, that we might be brought back into relationship with God. And when you are in that relationship, if you enter into this relationship with God through Jesus, you have nothing to fear, nothing to fear. Do not be afraid in this life or the next. We're going to look at this text in Isaiah 41. We're going to focus on verse 10. I admit it is nice after tackling large chunks in the book of Hebrews to focus in on one verse this morning. We will, of course, get to the context, but our focus will be on verse 10 of chapter 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Two commands. Five promises, one application, let's go. (laughs) Two commands. The Bible tells us again and again that we are not to be afraid. It's sometimes said uh, that there are 365 fear nots in the Bible. I'm afraid that is not true. Um, You have been misled. uh, it It would be a great statistic, but it's not a true statistic. There are, of course, more than 365 reasons as to why you should not be afraid. Uh, but there are not 365 uh, itself. However, we get, do get this command again and again. And we get it in two forms here in verse 10. First of all, it simply says, fear not. Fear not. If you are in a relationship with Jesus, if you have come to him and asked forgiveness of your sins, you do not need to have a sense of dread, a sense of terror, a sense of panic about anything in this life or the next. Secondly, it says, be not dismayed. Uh, Literally, it says, do not look around you. It's this idea of being anxious or worried or apprehensive, that you might uh, look around in sort of uh, anxious fear. If you know Jesus Christ, if you are in a relationship with him, if your sins are forgiven in his name, you do not need to be anxious. You do not need to be dismayed. You You do not need to look around yourself. When we take these two commands together, fear not and be not dismayed, we understand that God is saying, do not be afraid. God does not want you to be afraid of anything this morning. The fears that come to mind as I work through that introduction, the fears that are on your heart this week, God wants to take them from you and instead he wants to replace that fear with hope. Fear is when we look to the future with a sense of apprehension and a sense of trepidation. And God wants to take that from you and give you hope so that you will look to the future with confidence because you are his and he is yours. That is the command. Fear not and be not dismayed in the Hebrew are commands. It's not just good advice. It is a command for the people of God. If you don't know know Jesus, he's commanding you not to be afraid. Now, every time God gives a command, he also gives promises. He also gives promises because our sin and our brokenness ensure that we are not able in our own strength to obey his commands. Our sin and our brokenness means that when we hear his word to us, we're not able simply to obey. 
Expecting me to obey in my own strength is it's like expecting your dog to complete your taxes. You can sit, you know, sit down at the kitchen table and put your dog in the chair beside you and you can give him a pencil and you can, you know, exhort and instruct and rebuke and scold all you want and he will never do your taxes. And expecting me to obey in my own strength is the same. It's the same thing as that. And you know this from experience, especially when it comes to this command. If you are fearful or worried about work or family or interview or health or reputation or finances or kids, and I come to you and I say, I have the solution, stop it. That's not going to help you. That's not going to help you. It's like having your dog do your taxes. A command with no promise. It's like a millstone tied around the neck. It is a burden you were never designed and never fit to bear. We cannot obey the Lord through our own strength. We need his grace and his promises to us. And so, as the Lord gives us this command, he gives us promises that enable us to obey this command. Uh, they are uh, promises, not one, but five of them. Five promises that are like the electricity that powers a bulb. They're like the fuel that makes your car go. They're like the food that your body needs. Five promises here. A feast to satisfy our hunger, take away our fears, enable us to obey this command. Let's look at these five promises together. First of all, do not be afraid, fear not, be not dismayed, because I am with you. I am with you. It's really hard to overestimate the power of presence, the power of having someone by your side. November was National Adoption Month. made it a great month to be partnering with RCE and the work that they are doing in Romania, placing children with families there. Our Thanksgiving offering took in just under $40,000. Uh, which is great. It means we are three away from what we were hoping to raise. I encourage you this morning, if uh, you have the capability to give sacrificially uh, in that way, to to consider doing so that we might meet our our goal. But partnering with with RCE, uh, so appropriate during a National uh, Adoption Month, what difference does it make for an adopted child to be placed in a home where they have the presence of a parent? What difference does that make? It's all the difference in the world. It is a life-transforming moment as they move from loneliness and isolation and are brought into the presence of parents who love them and care for them. What difference does it make? It makes all the difference in the world. And that is true for us. The message of Advent. Do not be afraid and be not dismayed, for I am with you. I have not left you as orphans. I have come and I am by your side and I will never leave you. I will never leave you alone or in isolation and I will be with you always, Jesus says. Shoulder to shoulder, hand in hand. I am with you. I am with you. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Second promise we receive, it comes in the middle of verse 10. Do not be afraid for I am with you and I am your God. Do not be afraid, because I am your God. Let's look at the context to try and uh, draw this point out a little more. Because verses 1 through 9 really teach us about who this God is. I am your God, 
Well, who is your God? Verse 1. Listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let them approach, then let them speak. Let us draw near together for judgment. I am your God, and your God is the judge of the nations. Anyone have an accusation against the Lord? Anyone have a case they think they can build against him? Come, he says. Come into my presence. Come into my courtroom. And we will judge the affairs that you are setting out before me. Anyone have a case against my holy name? Come, and you will see that you are not the judge of me, but I am the judge of you. Not in some mere power play, but because I am the only one who is righteous and true and holy. I am your God, the judge of the nations. Verses 2 through 3. Who stirred up one from the east whom victory meets at every step? He gives up nations before him so that he tramples kings underfoot. He makes them like dust with his sword, like driven stubble with his bow. He pursues them and passes on safely. By paths his feet have not trod. Who stirred up one from the east, referring to the king in that time? Who is it that appoints the rulers? And who is it that rules the rulers? Who is it that overrules the nations? Who is it to whom all power belongs? Not to the kings, this passage says, but to God. I am your God. I am the judge of the nations, and I am the ruler of rulers. Verse 4. Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. Not only is he the judge, not only is he the ruler, but he is the creator. He is the one who called the generations forth from the beginning. Everything that we see around us, every one that we see around us, is here because of his creative hand. He is the God who judges, the God who rules, the God who creates. Lastly, verse 8 and 9. But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its father's cor- farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant, I have chosen you and not cast you off. Yes, he's the judge. Yes, he's the ruler. Yes, he's the creator. He is also the one who gathers his children to himself. The gatherer of the elect, calling us to him, uh, holding us close, not casting us off, but drawing us near. A picture of power, but also a picture of love. And that makes a difference. The God who is your God is the judge. He is the ruler. He is the creator. And he is the gatherer of his loved ones. And he is the one who comes and says, fear not, be not dismayed. He is not coming as a well-meaning friend to offer you some mere consolation. He is coming as the God of all creation to bring you help. Wondering if God has enough ability to help you is, is like wondering if the Atlantic has enough water to swim in. Yes, he can help. And yes, he is your God. Do not be afraid. I am your God. Third promise. I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Third promise in this text. I will strengthen you. To know this God is to uh, know a strength itself. Having this God with you strengthens you. I'm really blessed and fortunate to have um, parents just have a great relationship with my parents. 
And when they come and spend time with us, it's a strengthening experience. And it's an interesting thing that I've just begun to reflect on over the last few years, because it's strange to be it's strange to be an adult with your own kids and still find strength in your parents. I think sort of, you know, you sort of think, well, I don't need the material help anymore, so we're kinda of out of that phase. But there's an amazing power that you get from being with loved ones, a strengthening impact upon your heart and your soul. It just seems well with the world when you're with those kinds of people. And I should add, I should add, I well understand this is not everyone's experience. Uh, This season of Advent, I well understand that many of you are grieving the loss of people like this. People in your life who brought you strength, parents, spouses, children, loved ones. And often this season brings them to mind and it can be hard, it can be difficult. We've actually set up a memory tree in the entrance that's outside of the fellowship hall. This is a tree where we would really invite you to come and honor those loved ones that are on your heart and mind this Advent. It has no decorations on it just now and we invite you to come and place a decoration on that tree in their honor. We hope that that will strengthen you and encourage you as you honor their memory and reflect upon the strength that they brought you during the season of Advent. We hope that that will be strengthening to your soul. But the Lord is the one who brings strength and the Lord is the one who is still with us. And he has enough strength to see us through. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture, Ephesians chapter 3, where Paul prays that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Three parts of that. According to the riches of God. How big are the riches of God? They are so lavish that we can't begin to comprehend them. According to those riches, he might grant you to be strengthened through his spirit. That he has sent his spirit to bring, uh, to bring this presence of strength to your heart and to your soul. And all this occurs in our inner being. God is here. He is with us. He is present. And he is here to strengthen us. Do not be afraid, he says, for I will strengthen. Fourth promise. Running out of time here. Do not fear, for I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Interesting here that the word for help is the same root that is used of Eve in Genesis 2.18, where God says, I will make a helper suitable for him. And as I think of my own wife, I think of the, uh, the strength that, and, and rest that a godly spouse brings. I have this idea that God is picturing himself as the ultimate spouse, not as the flawed and broken spouses that we are, but as the ultimate spouse who comes alongside us and provides this helping, strengthening, peaceful, restful presence, enabling us to be far more than we could be in our own. This is what Eve did for Adam. The creation was incomplete. There was something about humanity that could not be fully expressed in her absence. And so she came, enabling Adam to be all he was intended to be. And so the Lord comes as our helper, alongside us to make us all that he has planned for us. In the New Testament, you'll remember that the Holy Spirit himself is given the name Helper. His name is the Helper. And he is here to minister to us. I made a list of some of the things that the Holy Spirit does to help us. He is the one who guides us into truth. 
He teaches us how to pray. He assures us of salvation. He enables us to obey and produce fruit. He strengthens our spirits, pours God's love into our hearts, gives us joy, enables us to preach the gospel, brings things to our remembrance. He comforts us. Do not be afraid. I will help you, says the Lord. Fifth and final promise. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will uphold you. Do you remember the pull-ups illustration? The pull-ups illustration. I'm in my basement working out, doing some pull-ups. My boys come. They want to do pull-ups too. They hang there with their skinny little arms. And they go... And nothing happens. So I sneak up behind them, and I grab their waist, and as they pull, I lift. And up and down, and up and down. And they are delighted with themselves. And they start to boast as to which one did more. (laughs) While I'm having a heart attack in the back. (laughs) Upheld by their father. Underneath you are not the arms that tire. Underneath you are the everlasting arms. The everlasting arms. God is here. He is here amongst us through his son, ensuring that he will uphold you when you think you will fall. And we all have those moments. We have those moments where we just don't think we can keep on going. Can of reach the end of our ability to persevere. And right at that moment, you'll find the everlasting arms. Lifting you that you might boast in what you accomplish. Not in your strength, but in his. Do not be afraid. I am with you. I am your God. That is the promise that he makes to us this day. The God who strengthens, the God who helps, the God who upholds. The one application... Fear not. Fear not. On Monday, when you go into that big meeting, fear not. On Tuesday, when you have dinner with that family member, be not dismayed. On Wednesday, when you have your interview, remember, I am with you. On Thursday, when you have that medical procedure, remember, I am your God. On Friday, when you invite someone to one of our services, remember, I will strengthen you. On Saturday, when you're worried about the kids, remember, I will help you. On Sunday, when you're worried about the finances, remember, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is the message of Advent. Do not fear. Jesus is here. God is for you and has sent his son to get you. We need not fear anything in this life or the next. Come to him. Come to him. Confess that you are in need of this God, in need of this Savior. He will draw you in and bid your fears goodbye. Let's pray. Lord and Father, we thank you for this time in your words together this morning. It is rich and full and gives us hope. We pray, Lord, that we would fix our eyes, not upon our circumstances which give us fear, but upon you. And that we would see that you are with us, you are our God, that you will strengthen us and help us and uphold us. And so we need not fear. 
anything in this life or the next, because we are in relationship with Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this great gospel and praise you in his name. Amen.